0: Tonight's scripture reading is from Jonah chapter 4, verses 5 through 11. Jonah left the city and sat down east of it. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen to the city. Then the Lord God appointed a plant and it grew up to provide shade over Jonah's head to ease his discomfort. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. When dawn came, the next day God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down so much on Jonah's head that he almost fainted, and he wanted to die. He said, it's better for me to die than to live. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, he replied, it is right. I am angry enough to die. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. Should I not care about the great city of Nineveh which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left as well as many animals? The word of the Lord. One of the the
1: opportunities i'm most excited about as we do move to fifth and central is uh, a way to engage our artists more in our worship and uh, even in the designing of the space and you'll be hearing more about that as uh, as we move towards this and we've gotten to taste that a little bit during the jonah series and some wonderful artists have said hey this came up in me as i was uh, hearing the word preached and reflecting marcy yoder is a gifted painter and uh, she has uh, painted a lovely picture Um, that I asked her to come and share a little bit about. So Marcy, you wanna come?
2: Hi friends. Um, So I don't typically start a drawing or a painting with like a finished image in mind. It feels more like excavating something that's already there. Like, um, I often become aware of the symbolism as I'm sketching and painting and, it's almost as though the truth of it already existed somewhere. I'm just the catalyst for it. So that's how it was with, with this little painting, and it's quite big up there, but in reality, it's about this big. It's a little baby thing. But so as Doug asked us to press into this, I wasn't surprised when that I had something to say, but I was surprised that Doug asked me to share it. So here's what I have. It's a bit of a meditation on the dark moments in our lives when we feel forgotten, lost, or even barren, Um, and how it is in those moments that God is closest, as near as our breath. So, So often those who have been there say that that's where he does his best work. So the big fish symbolizes the crucible, or as Doug phrased it, the dark night of the soul, while the golden hand is the nearness of the divine as close as our own skin. The egg-like shape of the dark sea represents the incubation of the new thing that God is doing, maybe not even at odds with his goodness, but as a necessary part of guiding us back to ourselves. The sun and the pink flumes are hints of the hope, renewal, and glory to come. Thanks.
1: Thank you, Marcia. I suppose when an artist brings a gift like that, you don't call it a lovely painting. That's a very grandpa kind of thing to say. So I will work on my sophistication as we uh, embrace our artists. A long time ago, a guy named Aristotle wrote a, uh, an essay on telling stories. And he he talked about a couple different kinds, but the two main were tragedies and comedies. And we're probably familiar with that. Tragedies have a way of having the, the, the hero end up in suffering without a lot of hope. Comedies uh, tend to end up with uh, the character working through things and moving towards something redeeming or, or valuable or hopeful. And so what I, I want you to ask this question I've been thinking about all week, is Jonah a tragedy or a comedy? Sometimes you don't know till the very end. I I was listening to an interview this week with Jason Bloom who produced uh, Get Out, the Jordan Peele film that explores racism within the horror genre. And uh, Peele had two different endings for the film. Uh, One ended tragically and one ended with hope. He tested both endings with the audiences uh, before finishing the film. The tragic ending was so upsetting that he cut it and went with the hopeful one, and that's the one that uh, made it into the theaters. So evidently, you, you don't always know if you're ending up with a tragedy or a comedy uh, until you get to the very end. So, so what do you think? Um, well, let's listen to this story a little bit tonight and um, see, see where you conclude. Quick review, God calls Jonah to Nineveh He says, tell them they need to come back to God. Jonah flees the other way. John, uh, John. God sends a whale to swallow Jonah. Jonah cries out to God. In the middle of the whale, he does seem to genuinely turn to God. He says, salvation belongs to the Lord. There's this beautiful praise psalm that he sings. He spit out on the beach. The Ninevites uh, not welcome him, but he goes to Nineveh. He preaches the gospel. They come to God And instead of rejoicing, Jonah is very angry that his enemies will now receive mercy. And as Sarah so powerfully showed us last week, he has an angry dialogue with God. He simply says, uh, I I hate it when you behave this way. Uh, I knew you would do this. You're merciful. It really makes me upset. And and God says, do you do well to be angry? In other words, how's this anger serving you, Jonah? And that leads us up to the last scene of our play. Jonah went out of the city and sat to the east of the city and made a booth for himself there. There's a couple of clues here that suggest that our hero is struggling. Uh, First of all, he leaves the city. Now, the only thing we've heard God say is go to the city. We never heard him uh, tell him to leave it. And if we follow most of the prophets, when you go and you preach uh, the, the word of the Lord to a city and they all repent and want to come to God and are asking, what do I do now? Normally you stay and help, but he doesn't. He goes away from the city and it says he sat. Now, in the book of Jonah, one of the themes is arise and go. And Jonah is at his best when he is arising and going. He is not at his best when he is sitting. He is defiant, stuck, settled in. And he sits down to the east of the city. And sometimes uh, the east in the Bible is a good thing. The wise men come from the east to visit Jesus. But most of the time, the east in the Bible is a symbol of suffering or punishment. Cain is exiled from God. He lives in east of Eden. Ezekiel warns of an east wind blowing in and shriveling Israel's vine. Hosea warns of a deadly east wind that will dry up Israel's springs. And just geographically, the east of Palestine is a burning hot desert and a very foreboding place. And then we notice that he makes a booth. And if you remember any of your Old Testament when, uh, when the people of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, they made booths to, to live in because they were so far from, from shelter. And, and so perhaps the, this is a little hint saying that uh, Jonah is in his own time of wandering, his own time of wilderness. He's vulnerable. He's leaving a city he was told to go to. He's sitting when he should be rising. He's heading east. And he seems to be setting off into his own wilderness wandering. Now, why? This is one of the most puzzling chapters in the Old Testament. Why is he struggling so? He has just experienced a revival from his preaching that most preachers will never know. He has done God's work. He has brought good news to a city that would desperately need it. Why has all of this disrupted his relationship with God? Well, he does tell us a little bit in the first verses of chapter 4, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was still in my country? That is why I made haste to flee to Tarshish. I knew that you are a gracious God, merciful, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, and relenting from disaster. And this is what has made him so mad. Now again, let's not over-spiritualize this. It's easy to kind of Uh, sit from where we sit and judge the biblical characters. But think about this for a minute. Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. Uh, The Assyrians were taking over the entire known world. They would take over and kill most of the settlers of the northern kingdom. And I I started to explain how they fought, and I decided that it just wouldn't be helpful. Uh, They used terror of the most extreme forms to subdue people. They tortured their victims in, in horrific ways. Everyone in the ancient world knew this. So why does Jonah want his enemies to be wiped out so they won't come down and torture his family? Now, I think we can relate to that. So when you think about it, one reason Jonah is so mad at God is God is not protecting him in the way that he thought he should um, by destroying his enemies. And I wonder tonight if if maybe God's not protecting you in the way that you thought he should, do you ever feel unsafe because God is not swiftly dealing with your enemies? Do you ever feel that obeying God has made you more vulnerable, not less? And that can make you want to run away from God's call. Jonah also seems more comfortable with God's wrath than his mercy. It's interesting to kind of play with that a little bit. I mean, he knows God is merciful. He just kind of offered a description of God's, God's mercy. But you don't see it in his ministry. He gives an eight-word revival sermon. Yet 40 days, and then I shall be overthrown. And, and you kind of have this sense that he doesn't want them to respond. He doesn't. He just wants them to be to be judged. He's got judgment down, but not much mercy. When you think about that today, on, on the one hand, you know I think today maybe we like God's mercy a lot more than His anger, and don't don't know quite how anger fits in with God's love. And I think that's a fair question. It's one I think a lot about. But internally, uh, psychologically, even unconsciously, I, I find that many of us are like Jonah, that the Father inside of us is angry and wrathful and very rarely merciful. And even though we know he's kind intellectually, in our inner world we expect his fury. And maybe Jonah's just having... A hard time forgiving people that he knows is going to hurt him. And that's understandable. Unforgiveness can can really derail our spiritual life. We all know that. Again, let's not read this and be holier now. We were studying this in our Friday Guys Lunch Bible Study and um, and uh, I, have, I believe I have permission to share this. Dan Fry shared this with our church. His father was murdered 20 years ago and and a couple of us were sort of self-righteously pontificating on how callous and hard-hearted Jonah was, and how could he uh, want wrath on on his enemies? And and Dan said, "I know how he feels. I'm still struggling to forgive the two guys that killed my dad. And some days I don't want them to have mercy." I think if we're honest, there's there's probably some people in our life that we wouldn't mind seeing them suffer a little bit, maybe just a little bit. That doesn't work well for our soul. So will your journey be a tragedy or a comedy? It, it, it may have something to do with what you do with these kind of circumstances. What? What will you do when you feel unprotected by God? What are you going to do when when following him makes you more vulnerable and less safe? What are you going to do when you struggle to forgive somebody who hurts you or will hurt you? Well, Jonah sits under a shade tree until he should see what happens within the city. Now, again, this is such an odd story. It's so puzzling because he already saw what was going to happen in the city. What happened already happened, and he should have been ministering to the people that had turned to the living God. Instead, he sits down and waits to see what will happen when God has already made it happen. (laughs) He's out of sync. His timing is off. He's waiting on things God never told him to wait for. Did you ever do that? Did you ever find yourself waiting for things God never told you to wait for? So you find yourself kind of stuck When God already acted and asked you to join in, and you're missing what's going on all around you because you thought it was gonna look different and you're just waiting for God to move when He already moved. Now, waiting is an important spiritual practice. That's what Advent is about, and I'm so looking forward to Advent. Uh, we're gonna sit with the Mary story this Advent, we're gonna watch. And Wait with Mary, Laura Cottrell is preparing some wonderful devotionals that each week I'll preach on Sunday night and Paige will preach and, and the devotional will go out the next morning to help you engage. This discipline, waiting is a very spiritual practice. But I also want to say this, and I know this is kind of nuanced. I haven't worked it all the way through. Just sit with it a little bit. Waiting is a godly practice, but it also can be a form of passivity. It can also be a form of defiance. It can also be even a form of of rebellion or self-protection. Sometimes it's not the right thing to wait. Sometimes it's time to act. It's time to speak. It's time to write. It's time to teach. It's time to build. It's time to stand up. What time is it for you, Is it a time for you to be waiting? Or is it a time to act? God appoints a plant to shade Jonah. Jonah is exceedingly glad. God sends a worm to destroy it. A hot wind to beat down on Jonah. Jonah is exceedingly bummed out. He says he wants to die. God says, are you right to be angry about the plant? Jonah says, as a matter of fact, I am. The Lord says you care more for the plant than you do for the people and the cattle. And then it's like the end. <laughs> it's like chapter five just got lost somewhere. And we don't know what happened to it. And the book does seem unfinished. So so, so what do we do with a book of the Bible that doesn't end right? A couple just quick observations as we finish our time in in Jonah. For starters, God seems very interested in the health of Jonah's soul. So much so that he appoints an odd set of circumstances that, that almost seem like they push him over the breaking point so they'll have a talk. And it results in very honest dialogue between God and Jonah. And and Sarah did a brilliant job exploring it last week. I have a little to add, but, but I want you to notice that God doesn't correct Jonah's theology. He doesn't criticize him for asking questions. He doesn't rebuke him for his anger or despair. He doesn't revoke his prophet card. No, he just says, oh, let me ask you another question. Oh, you feel that way? Let me ask you another question. I take from that That when we are struggling with God, God just wants to keep the conversation going. He will ask questions and probe and even mess with your plant to get you to keep talking. The only thing you can do wrong in a spiritual crisis is stop talking to God. You can tell him you're mad. You can ask any question you want. Just keep talking. Well, the bigger story here is that God loves the people and the animals. I love that. That's my, the, the book ends with, and lots of cattle. I don't know of any other book that ends like that. God loves the people and the animals of the city. So seeking the peace of the city means caring for animals too. God sends Jonah to Nineveh to seek its peace. And part of Jonah's lack of compassion, his lack of pity, his lack of mercy from the city, it's because he's been disconnected from God's bigger story. Somehow his pain and his woundedness and his questioning, his anger and his depression have severed him from God's bigger story. And so he's out here wallowing in in this pus of his anxiety and angst, and if I keep going, I'm going to get in trouble, so I'll stop. And he's wallowing out there in all of this while what's happening is a revival in the city and he misses it entirely. So just just kind of as a check-in here, is your heart more filled with, with anger tonight than compassion? One of the things that leads us more towards a comedy than a tragedy is that somehow we work through the anger, the legitimate anger, we don't get stuck in the anger, and we move towards compassion for the one hundred and twenty thousand people who don't know their right from their left, and some cattle. You know when we when we began Jonah, I shared with you that we felt like God didn't want us just to study Jonah, but in a way, God wanted Jonah to study us. You remember that? That's how we started. And that, that rather than coming up with this great outline and homiletical theme, we were just supposed to sit with the book and not just read it, but let Jonah read us. And, and during that time, we, we had this extraordinary gift where, where, where a, somebody provided a new home base for ministry for us in our city at the corner of Fifth and Central. And if you're here tonight and you don't know that story, two sermons ago, i talk about it. And by the way, we're, we're still in the process of carefully crafting a purchase and sales agreement with corporate AAA, and it's going well, but it takes time, and the shepherds are behind the scenes doing due diligence work as well. As soon as we get a contract signed, we'll communicate with you where we are and what happens next. But when, when I shared this amazing blessing with you two weeks ago, I asked you to be praying for three requests If we could put those up. I also ask if you're part of our family to consider fasting one meal a week and praying from now until we move into the building and ask you to pray that all the final details will be worked out for the purchase of the building. We're not quite there yet, so please be praying. Pray that we'll discern God's vision for this property and pray that we'll love one another well and be unified through this process. And somebody said, you keep talking about unity, Doug. Are people fighting already? No, 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 (laughs) they're not. They're not. Sandy and I got to go swim at this race in Bermuda, right? Kids sent us on this trip. It was great. One day we're out taking a walk, and we see Church Folly Lane. Okay, now I've got to go walk Church Folly Lane. So we go walk Church Folly Lane. Church Folly Lane leads to a 19th century half-built cathedral that is still there in ruins because the congregation split in the middle of it. (laughs) Church Folly Lane. So no, we're still unified, but let's be praying that we stay that way. Now, the second prayer request, pray we'll discern God's vision for this property. I I think that's partly why we're in the book of of Jonah uh, when all all this happens is because the book of Jonah is about God's people having compassion for their city. And so what I want you to begin praying about, dreaming about, talking about, go over and walk the neighborhood. Sandy and I did it, did it last night with thousands of Garth Brooks fans streaming by singing, I've got friends in low places. It was an odd experience, but go over there and walk. And it's, it's, it's this wild neighborhood with with older folks and new young families and homeless missions and and, and greyhound stations. And it's it's just just astounding, all the opportunities there. But we need to ask the Lord, how will this property be a vehicle for the expression of God's compassion in that neighborhood? That's what we need to be praying about. Because that's really the bigger story of Jonah. Jonah loves cities. And he sends his people into them to bless them. So let's finish with our original question. Is the book of Jonah a tragedy or a comedy? We don't know. Because we don't know how Jonah responds. Perhaps the reason we have no Jonah chapter 5 is because we're supposed to write it ourselves. And perhaps the book is asking us to write the ending in the pages of our own story. Because as we've seen, we're all Jonah. Jonah is a story about all of our spiritual journeys. So we might ask ourselves, how will I respond when God calls me to a Nineveh, a place that scares me and could hurt me? How will I respond when God calls me back to himself? How will I respond when I am given a second chance? How will I respond when God's actions and work in my life seem confusing and disappointing and unsafe? How will I respond when God's plans are so different than my own plans that I feel like dying? And how will I connect my story with God's bigger story of caring for my neighbors in our city? These are the questions Jonah leaves us with as we write our own ending to our story. Let's pray.